Hey there, it's Jeff here. Just a heads up, we had some minor audio glitches when recording this episode. Regardless, Edna is an amazing guest. I loved my time with her, and I hope you find some golden nuggets in this episode like I did. This is Human Capital, sponsored by Goalspan, and I'm Jeff Hunt. Human Capital is the place where I interview dynamic thought leaders who help us learn about how to embrace the value of human capital. I get to ask some tough and thought-provoking questions, and hopefully we'll have a little fun. My guest today is Edna Nakamoto. Edna is CEO of the HR Manager, and she's co-founder of a tech company called The Applicant Manager, which she actually recently sold. Um, maybe we'll hear a little bit about that. She has over 30 years of experience in both strategic and consultative roles. She's worked in higher ed, high tech, small business, nonprofits. She has a unique combination of skills and experience as both a strategist and a visionary. And she's really kind of known as an HR compliance expert. She understands HR tech, which of course I appreciate. And she's like-minded from the standpoint that she serves by giving back to the community on um, boards of nonprofits and donates her time. Edna holds a SPHR designation, which for those of you that are non-HR folks out there, this is the highest level of certification and proficiency in the HR space. Plus, she's just all around a good person. So welcome, Edna. Thank you so much. It's great to have you here today. And so, you know, for these interviews, I like to start out with getting a little bit personal if we can do this. And so I'm going to ask you a question um, about your, what led you into business? So tell me something interesting about your family or your experiences growing up that led you into business. Yeah, you know, it's, um, it's a kind of a timely question that you ask. And um, recently, my mother passed. She was 92 years old. And for some people, they might say, well, that's a really sad event. But actually, I was very fortunate. I, because of the pandemic, I was able to spend about five weeks uh, with her, her last five weeks. And it really just, um, it's just a very inspirational time for me because it reminded me of who I am and really um, my roots are. And when I say roots, I mean, you know, what, what kind of stock uh, did mm -hmm. I come? My mother and my father, they're both immigrants uh, to this country. Mm -hmm. um, their story is, is pretty amazing because they, they overcame a lot of ad adversity. So if you, uh, to answer the question, you know, what, what, really, um, what really life events triggered me to go into business, it was really... My parents, they were entrepreneurs. They arrived with not a penny in their wallets, hmm. not knowing their language, um, really being relatively uneducated. And they came with a dream. Uh, and with that dream, they entered uh, a community and they formed their own communities and they went into business for themselves. Hmm. And so for me, um, it was a kind of a practical matter that I went into business myself. I had a dream. Uh, I had a need and I decided I was going to do it. So over a weekend, I created our business and uh, we've been in business 
as the HR manager for about 15 years now, and it's been a wonderful experience. Wow, that is remarkable and truly inspirational. Um, the people closest to us can have such an influence on our lives, and um, I am so sorry for your loss, and so um, I just want to express that as well. That must be a difficult, a difficult time for you um, in that regard, too. Um, tell me a little bit more about the HR manager and your, your business, um, just so that people can get a sense for what you do. Sure. So the HR manager is kind of a boutique uh, consultancy. And, and what I mean by that is we provide um, kind of custom solutions. Um, when I created uh, the HR manager, the, the whole idea was to provide value added services to our clients because surely you know everyone can can read everyone can figure out um, kind of the general aspects of hr and so what i wanted to do was provide higher level service that we could provide because our um, clients are sorry our consultants have uh, experience they've mm -hmm. learned through the uh, School of Hard Knocks, uh, they've got the experience needed to take rules, procedures, and really customize it to the needs of our clients. And so we do everything from uh, support startups to uh, large organizations, and we provide um, high-level project support as well as provide day-to-day uh, -day HR uh, for our clients. Okay, great. And you recently sold your technology company too. So congratulations on that. Is there anything you want to share about that business and your experience there? Yeah, you know, it was an amazing experience. It was another one of those situations where it wasn't really in our plan to do so. But mm -hmm. uh, what happened was my uh, husband, he happens to be a, kind of a brilliant programmer. Um, didn't know that at the time. He, mm -hmm. he, uh, his background is in uh, electrical engineering. And he volunteered uh, to help me with some of our clients because uh, he had just retired. Mm -hmm. And uh, he ended up uh, developing out of the blue an applicant tracking system. And so uh, one thing led to another and we were in the applicant tracking space. And for me, it, it was an amazing experience. Um, it was not one that we had planned on, but it gave me the experience of learning all aspects of a business. Uh, and, it, and that gives me the ability to really um, provide consulting support and coaching um, because I can speak the language uh, of our clients. And I really understand the challenges of being in business. Um, so it, it, it was a fabulous experience, and, um, and, but what I will say was probably the most important thing is having a fantastic team. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Yeah, I absolutely yeah. agree with you. The team is everything, isn't it, in, in business? It's totally. <laughs> you don't start with a good team, then everything else unravels. And so um, <laughs> I absolutely appreciate that reference. Um, you know, the pandemic is still pressing forward and everybody is so consumed by it. We're now, what, five, six months into it. And I'm curious about what impactful changes you've made since this pandemic started and, um, and why. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, great question. So I would say um, probably the biggest change that I made, and this is kind of, I think, um, an example of how I think leaders need to constantly reimagine themselves and reimagine their business. So for me, uh, as an HR person, a little bit ironic that the biggest lesson for me is that as leaders, we have to cross that line of separation between employee and employer. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is it was really important um, for our organization that we make efforts, that I make efforts to check in during the pandemic, um, things like uh, holding more virtual calls mm -hmm. with team to make sure that they were okay. Um, at one point, it was uh, July 4th, I made and sent out face coverings with little, um, with little flags on them for our Great team. Idea. It was just kind of a, a surprise. And, you know, just the whole idea was just to bring a smile to their face in the middle of this craziness that we're living in. Well, I also needed to make some adjustments in uh, schedules uh, because we have uh, some consultants that have uh, younger children. And so the challenges of being a parent in the pandemic were really uh, very real for them. Um, and mostly, you know, just making sure that our uh, consultants felt supported uh, and felt like uh, that I acknowledge that family comes first sure. in this period of time. Sure. So very, very important, um, especially, you know, again, as I mentioned, a little bit ironic because as HR uh, people, sometimes we tell people, no, you have to really separate um, personal and professional. But truly, I think the, the onus is on us to figure out where that separation really needs to be. Um, and, and the pandemic has shown us that it really should be kind of a blurry line that gets adjusted depending on the circumstances. Uh, I'm not suggesting that leaders have to be close personal friends with all of their employees, but rather it's important to really regard your, your team members as people with sure. lives, challenges, and successes beyond work. Sure. That's great. Yeah. So, I mean, it really sounds like it was a combination of increasing the level of communication that you had with your mm -hmm. team, um, being incredibly flexible uh, with them in terms of the approach, taking a personal interest in them, which mm -hmm. might be as little, you know, as, as little as sending them face coverings that, you know, <laughs> <laughs> things along those lines. So Absolutely. does that kind of seem like some of the key things that you guys did? Absolutely. The, the other thing that I would say is that communication needs to be deliberate. Mm -hmm. So sure. um, what I mean by that is that you want to, um, you know, communication shouldn't just be, you know, kind of fly by night. Oh, we just need to jump on this quick conference call, but that you do a personal check-in with people sure. as part of your communication. Um, again, because that line right now between personal and professional is very blurry. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Forced us to rethink everything. Totally. <laughs> um, okay, great. So I appreciate that. And I'm going to switch gears a little bit right now. Um, I w I'm, I'd like to talk about uh, race and discrimination. And if, if you look at racial discrimination and violence, I mean, obviously this year they left a terrible stain on our country. And I'm curious as to what your opinion is about 
what our role is in addressing racism and diversity in the companies that we lead. Mm -hmm, totally. So, you know, I mentioned already that I'm a daughter of uh, first generation immigrants. Yeah. So because of that, I've personally faced discrimination and racism from the very first day of my life, right? Mm. Um, and I think re recognizing and celebrating diversity means that as people, we need to accept that there will be diversity in our thoughts, our philosophies, and our perceptions. I don't think that um, it's right, nor is it fair to say that there is one way to think, there's one opinion that's right. Um, and I think that there are times when we have to agree to disagree. Um, but disagreement doesn't have to mean that someone has to be wrong either. Mm -hmm. I think that as leaders, it's important for us to lead by example. Mm -hmm. And we have to do what we say is important. Um, as right now, our credibility is at stake. Mm -hmm. I think we have to ensure that our organization makes uh, thoughtful decisions that are and are perceived to be fair and compliant and that we create a culture and provide ground rules for a work environment based on refact, uh, sorry, respect, mm -hmm. uh, defined by all employees. And also, you know, that there be room and that there be a culture of continuous learning and improvement. Um, because the fact of the matter is we're not always gonna get it right, but we can always strive for the right. best. Right, for sure. And so is part, does part of that look like conversations that you're having with your team? And also, I'm reflecting on this from sort of two positions. One is you, you've got two things going on. You're running your own organization as a consultancy with all of your employees and, um, and how you interact internally and the culture that you're creating internally. You're also advocating for best practices with all of your clients. And I happen to know that you work with some um, formidable clients and some clients in very diverse spaces and places. And so there's kind of these two sides of the coin, but um, mm -hmm. is that sort of what you're referring to? And tell us a little bit about. Yeah, you know, absolutely. So right now we're actually doing quite a bit of work with our clients uh, around the subjects of uh, diversity and unconscious bias and preventing discrimination. Uh, in California, of course, it is a requirement that people, uh, that companies provide uh, training to their employees, but on a more practical level, um, I think that uh, employers are really beginning to understand the importance of culture. Mm -hmm. uh, it used to be one of those things that only some companies thought about, but frankly, culture is now something that we all are recognizing is key to success. Mm -hmm. uh, by culture, I mean, um, the values of the organization, um, how we conduct our business, what our, our company philosophies are, um, and even things about respect. What does respect look like in our company? What does respect look like for an employee? How does it feel? How do they feel that they're being respected? So there's a lot of aspects to this. And really, I think the, the most important thing that we can do as leaders is to create opportunities for conversation. And sometimes the conversation is going to be, um, I think, challenging. It's going to be uncomfortable. And to me, that type of conversation means that we're really communicating. If we're simply sitting there just you know, holding our hands and doing kumbaya and saying everything is great, in some ways you might as well not spend the time to have the conversation. It's sure. really important that we get down to 
really regarding each other and regarding the fact that our opinions, our individual opinions matter. And those opinions are formed by our individual experiences. They're formed by um, the life that we lead, our choices, uh, and they're all important. There mm -hmm. isn't one, one way um, that this should be. Right. At the same time, I think it's really important to make sure that we as leaders have a culture and a context where there are social mores so that we understand that, you know, just because I don't agree with somebody doesn't mean that I should be hostile towards them or that I should treat them poorly uh, and that there are rules, uh, rules for listening, rules for acting. Um, I think that uh, as a society, we've forgotten a little bit about some of those rules. Um, but I think we certainly have the ability to reframe, recapture, and restate the rules and really abide by them so that we do have uh, respect within our organizations. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's a great point. Well, and also the other thing that was coming to mind for me is that I, I believe there's statistically actually a study now, and I don't have it at my fingertips, so I can, I'll have to refer back to it, but that teams that have that embody greater levels of diversity actually outperform those that don't that are overly homogenous mm -hmm. and so um like i said i'll see if i can find that study but that's also very impactful the other thing that was coming to mind for me as you were sharing that was that the importance of the recognition of of never taking somebody's experience away from them because if somebody has shared their experience and it might be one of being discriminated against I have, I can have no idea of what that experience was like. And so for me to um, get into an argument or suggest that they didn't experience something that they did is never going to be helpful. It's going to take away from uh, the conversation and the relationship rather than be additive. So. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And in the subject of race and diversity, I really do not believe that there is a right answer. So whether I, you know, when you ask me what my ethnicity is, you know, some people in my same circumstance would say Chinese. Some would say, no, I'm Chinese American. I'm Asian. There is no right answer. It's just right. how I look at it and what I think is my answer. Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's a great um, sort of perspective on it. So let's shift a little and talk about performance. Sure. This is the other adjustment we've all had to make is so many of us were used to working face-to-face -face with employees on a regular basis. We could check in with them and there was something about that proximity that's really kind of key. We've been forced into this new world of remote working companies employees, managers, organizations, leaders are all trying to adapt. Some organizations are doing it much better than others. But the reality is we still have things to deal with uh, that are challenging, including uh, substandard performance. And so I'm curious from you about what advice you can share with leaders and managers that need to have difficult performance conversations with remote workers? Because when you're doing this over Zoom, it's very different than when if you're sitting in an office together. Very much so. Um, great question, Jeff. Um, so my advice is really simple, and it is to start now. Um, what does that mean? Well, what I mean is that conversations with employees 
about performance should happen as often as possible. Meaning, um, you know, and, and this is true whether or not you're talking about uh, an employee who's working from an office or working remotely. Having regularly scheduled check-ins about performance against established goals and responsibilities really eliminates that element of surprise. Um, for many leaders, of course, performance conversations are just not comfortable. It's kind of the least favorite part. <laughs> exactly. No matter how long you've been a leader. Yep. But it's definitely more difficult when the feedback is a surprise to the employee. Um, and of course, you know, it's, it's important to follow standard protocol, like scheduling a time for feedback, making sure that you're well prepared, that there's no distractions. This is the one time where having the dog running around or sitting on your lap is probably not the best, uh, best <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> but, um, but my best advice really is for leaders to provide uh, regular feedback and discussions about course corrections as needed um, so that the employee feels supported and valued rather than frankly set up and defensive. Mm -hmm. That's great. Yeah, it almost seems like partly what you're referring to in this change is eliminating the surprises because if I'm not having a performance conversation that I should be and I'm waiting too long, then right. it becomes more of a surprise to the employee and those course corrections become more challenging. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And, and frankly, it's a lot easier for people to hear things when the feedback is, um, is timely, uh, when the feedback can relate to a situation. And frankly, again, when the feedback doesn't feel like it's coming out of left field. Mm -hmm. I like to equate it sometimes to running. You know, the most difficult part of going running is putting on your running shoes. So just initiate the conversation with the employee and you're solving a huge part of the battle right there. That's right. Yeah. That's right. What do you think the role that is that trust plays in managing remote teams? Mm, great question. You know, and I had to, I have to really think about this a little bit because um, as leaders, you know, we're, we've historically relied on visual cues like, you know, whether someone shows up for work or if they come to work on time, um, if they are uh, participating in a meeting and you can see that they're present that way. Um, and, and we use these visual cues to really confirm whether or not someone's doing their job. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, the fact of the matter is that in this newer world of remote teams, those visual cues are absent. So we can't really rely on those visual cues that we had before. Um, and so it's really natural to kind of trust your uh, highest performers. Um, but working remotely is really a game changer um, because some employees who were your best performers, they may not excel uh, in a virtual environment because there are distractions or maybe they work better when they're um, next to a coworker. And then there are others where the the virtual environment may be perfect for them. So, you know, so my recommendation to leaders is to suggest that they, again, rely more on uh, performance measurement and goal attainment to more fairly uh, and more accurately manage team performance. It's funny that we keep going back to the same concept of okay. uh, measuring and, and goal attainment and achievement, but I really believe that that is key. Um, in today's world. Definitely, definitely. Um, does it also lend to 
the changes that can take place with performance relative to the personality of the individual. In other words, you know, you were talking about how somebody may excel working remotely that didn't otherwise and vice versa. But if somebody's more introverted, for instance, perhaps they have an opportunity to perform at a better level than if they're extroverted and, and they're working remotely. I mean, do you have any thoughts about any of that, Edna? Mm -hmm. You know, I think it goes back to um, the fact that we're all different. Um, we all have different levels or types of motivation. There are different triggers or distractions that work. Uh, some people who are, for instance, I'm, I'm actually a little more introverted than people probably think. Sure. Um, so working from home really works just fine for me. <laughs> you bet. Um, yeah. But, you know, for some of my friends and colleagues that are more introverted, it, this is a struggle because they get their energy uh, from being around other people. So kind of feeling like they're a little bit in prison uh, and really isolated from people makes it difficult. So for those folks, you know, it's really important, actually for anyone working from home, we're really recommending that leaders implement um, check-ins or uh, telework questionnaires just to, to cause there to be a conversation about how people can be more productive at work. And sometimes it's just a very simple change that will make it better. But it's really about, again, regarding people uh, for their contributions and giving them the opportunity to be open about what's working and what's not working and how you might be there for them. Once again, it kind of sounds like you're going back to that need for intentionality in what That's we're right. doing. If That's we're right. having these conversations with our people about what is working well and what's not, we have the opportunity to affect change. If we're, if we're not having those conversations, then it may lead to potential problems and dysfunction in that working relationship. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think, you know, you asked earlier about um, racism, discrimination and yeah. things like that. And, you know, this isn't really about racism, but it is about the fact that there are a lot of challenges in households today. Um, whether it's because suddenly one person is the breadwinner and they weren't before, or the um, need to uh, be a part of uh, their child's school. Uh, sure. you know, school is no longer a situation where I help pack up a lunch and I say goodbye right. and sure. my child comes home and life is great. School is now home life. So there are a lot of reasons why people may have um, competing priorities. And as employers, we've got to ask the question to help them understand that we're going to work on this together. Yes, for sure. And approach each person uniquely. Um, I just Absolutely. was having a conversation this morning with somebody who um, has knows a friend who's has four children and one of them with special needs and they're and she and the mom's needing to do school for all of these kids. Wow. And she's working and it gave me a real appreciation. And so somebody in that situation may need a different type of support than somebody who's a you know, single young person who doesn't have those additional burdens or responsibilities. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And you know, all of this is also coupled with the fact that there are stigmas still attached to being ill. Um, yeah. And you know, there's just all of these challenges out there that frankly didn't exist seven months ago. Oh yeah, we live in, we're living in an unbelievable time, that's for sure. Um, 
Okay. Who do you look up to for inspiration and mentorship? Yeah. So I probably, I uh, mentioned this already, my mother, um, you know, she gave me the drive uh, to succeed. Uh, and I learned from her uh, a very important life lesson. And that is not to focus on adversity uh, as a barrier, but really more as a challenge. Uh, and I think if it's important enough, I, I know I can figure it out. Um, and lastly, she showed me uh, the importance of community, um, whether it's family, friends, or team. You know, we really have to work together with common goals and really know, be able to rely on each other, um, knowing that sometimes I'm going to need you and sometimes you're going to need me. And that all, that's all good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it's, yeah, it's really cool. those life lessons that I think um, ha are just a really important part of, of my, my ability to succeed. Yeah, what an incredible inspiration. I said this before, but your mom was, must have been an amazing person to come to this country not speaking the language and establish community and um, really, you know, make it the way she did and leave such a great opportunity for you um, is just truly an inspiration. So that's really cool. Absolutely. All right. So one more question and then we'll get to some kind of fun questions I'm going to ask you. What advice do you have for listeners about how to be a better leader? And that's just like, <laughs> we could probably spend a day talking about that. But if you had to synthesize things down, for our listeners about, you know, a few key things that they could do to be the best possible leader they can. What would, what would that be? Yeah, so, you know, I, I work as an executive coach. So I, I actually have the privilege of spending a lot of time with leaders and kind of um, being there as they develop. Um, and so I'll say that one of the most rewarding things about uh, being a leader uh, is the opportunity to really work with others to work, make the world a better place. Mm -hmm. so my advice to list to your listeners or to the listeners is really to listen, to learn, and constantly challenge yourself uh, to do your best. Mm -hmm. And it's just that simple. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, so be a lifelong learner. Maybe mm -hmm. listen before speaking. We have two ears and one mouth, right? <laughs> On purpose. <laughs> probably by design. <laughs> really? Yeah. Um, that's great advice. That is really good advice. Okay. So you ready for some lightning round questions? Uh-oh. I didn't tell you what these are. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we'll just see how it goes. Top book recommendation. Um, you know, right now, my top book uh, recommendation is uh, Becoming by Michelle Obama. It's just right. really, and she is so real, yeah. so real, so inspirational. And um, right now, it really uh, is a book that is uh, provides me with optimism. She's an amazing person, isn't she? <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. Remember back to when we used to be able to eat out at restaurants? Oh. <laughs> What's your favorite restaurant that comes to mind? Oh, my goodness. Um, uh, it's, it, feels like, it feels like a world ago. It's been um, too long. Favorite, my favorite restaurant actually um, was in Southeast Asia. Oh, uh, cool. The most favorite recent restaurant. So last uh, year, 
um, we were able, my husband and I were able to go on this amazing trip in Southeast Asia. And uh, my favorite restaurant was uh, outdoors, um, really celebrating the, the best of the area using fresh ingredients, nothing fancy, but just, um, just kind of an amazing immersive uh, experience. I love it. I can't wait till we get back to those times. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay, one thing on your bucket list. Ah, oh, so we had scheduled, uh, you're not supposed to talk about this kind of stuff, but for my 60th birthday, um, we had scheduled a trip to see the great uh, herd migration in Tanzania. Oh, now, wow. um, it was scheduled for actually a few weeks from now. Needless to say, we're not going there. Tanzania is very safe. Uh, we aren't. But <laughs> safe. So that is on my bucket list and we're going to do it. It's just that sounds incredible. Um, okay. Two more questions. Who, who would you interview if you could pick one person dead or alive? Yikes. Um, you know, I think I've got to go back to Michelle Obama. Yeah. All right. That's a good one. Too. Yeah. Talking to her, she just makes me smile. Yeah. And um, I, I just have so much respect uh, for her and talk about uh, dealing with adversity. Wow. Yes, no doubt about it. If you think about how she was raised and her, her upbringing. Um, last question, best piece of advice that you've ever been given? Um, you know, I've got to go back to my mother. So she told me um, a long time ago that I should just, if I see something that needs to be done, go do it. Hmm. Uh, and at the time, you know, when she told me the first time, I was uh, pretty young and I thought, what is she talking about? And, you know, she just gave me this illustration. If you see a piece of paper on the floor, pick it up. And uh, that, that concept has not ever lost, left my brain. And frankly, it's really been, um, it's really been inspirational for the success that, that uh, I've been able to reach. That's great. Yeah, it's such a great conclusion for our time together because it fits in everything that's going on in our country with all of the challenges this year, um, in our businesses, um, as leaders, personally, how we can uh, give back to society. So it's a great sort of way to wrap things up. So Edna, thank you so much for joining me and for be willing, being willing to do this interview today. I always have appreciated um, your friendship and working with you over the years. And uh, thanks again. Thank you, Jeff. And take care and uh, stay safe. Stay safe. Thanks for listening to the show this week. We release a new episode of Human Capital on the first and third Tuesday of each month. I would really like to know what you thought of this episode. Send your comments to humancapital at goalspan.com. Human Capital is produced by Goalspan. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and please share this podcast with your colleagues, team, or friends. Thanks for being human, kind.